Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Self Storage Income Podcast. Uh, you just got Connor in the house today, uh, hanging out. It's the holiday season. AJ's out with family. Everybody in the office is gone, and uh, I'm just the sole individual here in the office for now. It's uh, it's been kind of hit and miss this week, but uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate out there. Um, hopefully, everybody out there is enjoying the holiday season. You guys are having a good time. Everybody's staying safe and. Uh, just uh, cherishing everything that we hold dear in life and uh, taking that time to reflect and slow down and uh, just spend that time that we we all so greatly need to uh, to do. Uh, but anyways, I wanted to actually jump into AJ's book today uh, that I don't have AJ here. Um, I just wanted to jump into this thing and kind of share with you guys a little bit about this book. If, if you guys have already purchased his book and you guys are, are going through it or have gone through it, uh, just skip over this episode. It's not going to be anything, obviously, that uh, you haven't heard before or seen. Uh, but for those of you that have not picked up a copy of AJ's book, it's called The Investor's Guide to Growing Wealth in Self-Storage, the step-by-step playbook for turning a real estate asset into a thriving self-storage business. Um, that is one of the um, driving forces of what we do here at Self Storage Income is we we do not look at storage as a real estate asset. It is a business asset. It's a business. We don't operate real estate. We operate business, um, and that is the distinction that has allowed us to separate ourselves from a lot of the competition, to acquire facilities, turn them around, and realize that money that's left on the table, gather that spread, and um, really, really do well in the storage industry. So um, all of this stuff I've learned from AJ, uh, working with him, and uh, just going through the you know, going through this book and these projects that we've got, and uh, helping build out various aspects of the company, uh, has just been amazing to be a fly on the wall, so to speak, in a lot of aspects uh, through doing and through listening and, and learning all of these incredible things. And uh, obviously, uh, a lot of us here on the team were. Uh, consulted <laughs> through AJ's uh, writing of this book. And um, we all went through it. We kind of gave some feedback and input and these different things. And so uh, we wanted to make sure that, that you guys got the best of the best in this book. And AJ did a fantastic job. Uh, so anyways, uh, just to give you an idea of actually what's inside this book here, um, I'm going to jump into the table of contents first. But first and foremost, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Live Oak Bank. Uh, for those of you that uh, are listening to the podcast for the first time, uh, Live Oak Bank is our sponsor for 
the Self Storage Income Podcast. We specifically ask them to be the sponsor as we've utilized their services, believe strongly in their products and their services. They know the storage industry are extremely professional, extremely well-versed, and uh, they know this asset class, which is absolutely key in them going into these different markets around the U.S. and knowing and understanding what it is that you're doing with a self-storage facility and financing that facility in that deal. Um, reach out to them. Links in the show notes. Check them out. Live Oak Bank. And um, I can't say enough good stuff about them. As you guys might know, we've had Terry uh, Terry Campbell on the podcast with Live Oak Bank. Phenomenal episode. Tons of just incredible financing information in there. Uh, go check out that podcast. It was um, a number of podcasts ago, so you guys will uh, have to go scroll through those and, and uh, go check it out. Uh, but that said, let's check out the table of contents here in the beginning, uh, chapter one. AJ's how I found self storage and how it saved me. Obviously, for those of you that uh, that know AJ, his story is pretty incredible uh, with Guillaume Beret and um, how he ended up coming back from that, and how storage and cash flowing assets really saved him and his family in that time when he was unable to work, lost his job, and so forth uh, through that just terrible, terrible health crisis that he had to face with Guillaume Beret. Uh, chapter two, overview of self-storage industry and why it's a great investment opportunity. Chapter three, how, a, how to get started in self-storage. Chapter four, the art of valuation and finding deals. That's huge. Chapter five, financing your storage facility. Obviously, you guys know Live Oak Bank is a great option for financing your self-storage facility. Uh, Definitely check them out. But uh, financing is a huge portion. We get a lot of questions on financing. So chapter five is going to be just money for everybody. See what I did there? Uh, chapter six, how to evaluate the competition and the deal. Got to do that. Chapter seven, self-storage operations, turning around a self-storage facility. Chapter eight, how to reduce risk. Chapter nine, static real estate asset to dynamic self-storage business. Uh, again, taking asset real estate to business, making that connection, getting those, getting the best possible return that you can. Uh, terms and concepts of the trade after that, resources, acknowledgements, and then about the author. Um, so a lot of really, really good tidbits in here for anybody that is even thinking about getting into self-storage. Uh, this is a book that you guys really, really, really need to pick up. Uh, it's only, it's not even 200 pages. It's so it's a really, really condensed book. There's a ton of actionable information in here. Uh, that's one of the other aspects that we've heard that you guys as our listeners and followers really enjoy about the content that AJ is putting out is that um, it's actionable. You know, there's not this vagueness about anything that AJ is talking about. He's talking about real deals, exactly what he's done, step-by-step -step processes, things that you guys can literally turn around and go out and do right now today. Uh, and that is literally what all 183 pages of this book are, is it truly is your step-by-step -step guide to getting in storage and how to make it work, how to get a facility, how to finance it, uh, how to find that market, how to find the facility. I mean, everything down to the detail, uh, which actually I kind of want to focus on. I'm actually going to read just a little bit from this book. Uh, I'm going to pull a Jocko here and uh, read some book 
read some book for you guys. <laughs> so I wanted to start with chapter three, um, how to get started in self-storage, because I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of you guys, that is what you're wanting to do. You've heard about storage. You've heard that there are these quote unquote cash cows and you guys want to get into it, which is fantastic. Um, because it is a, it is and can be a very, very good and lucrative asset class. But as with everything, it's got to be done right. So um, let's jump to chapter three here real quick. How to get started in self-storage. As I look back, a lot of my assumptions about self-storage were wrong when I was starting out. We didn't understand things fully or see the big picture. We learned as we went. But the one thing that we did get right was we got started. Our overall philosophy was correct, but our execution changed as we came to better understand the industry. The more people we interacted with, the more knowledge we gained, and the more help we received. There are a, no, there are a hundred reasons to never get started, with new ones coming along all the time. But, uh, but as I sat paralyzed in the hospital, I knew that one of the greatest decisions I had made in my life and the lives of my family, was investing in self-storage. That decision allowed me to deal with my health collapse without the worry that we would lose our house and my income. There are three ways you can enter the self-storage industry as an investor. Number one, buy an existing facility. Number two, build a new one from the ground up. Number three, convert an existing building into self-storage. My preferable method is to buy underperforming facilities and turn them around. I buy an existing facility with tenants, so it starts paying me from day one, and I have a plan and a path to get to a certain valuation and income level that is known in the marketplace. So real quick, that's exactly, in a nutshell, what we do here, guys, with at Self Storage Income. We uh, that's the value add strategy. We find these underperforming assets, these self storage facilities. We go in there, we turn around the operations, uh, increase rates, whatever it is, bring those rates to the known marketplace rate. Uh, a lot of these storage facilities we acquire are below value. They're, they're, they're under value. They're not up to par in that marketplace. We identify them, acquire them, bring them up to the market value and get that money off the table. Uh, going to continue in the book here. This is my preferred method because I can accurately measure the upside, which reduces my risk. I can buy a facility that has an average revenue per square foot per month of 50 cents, and I can see that my competitors have an average revenue per square foot per month of 80 cents. So I know if I can improve the facility, I can reach that point because there is currently demand for it. Yet, while I'm turning the facility around and allocating capital and changing the underlying value proposition of that facility to its customers, I'll be getting paid in the process. Also, it is not unknown to me. My knowledge of the market with the existing facility I just acquired already in that market has less risk because I'm not changing the supply. Huge knowledge bombs right there, dude. Uh, Continuing the book here, knowledge reduces risk. Love, love that quote, man. Knowledge reduces risk. 
when you build a when you build a self storage facility from the ground up, you take on more risk because you are hoping the demand to fill up that new facility really exists because you added to the local supply and demand for that additional supply is unknown. Not that I don't build and not that I don't like building. Building is a key part of our strategy. Building can be a fantastic way to generate tons of wealth, and my partners and I are currently working on potential development projects across the United States. But developing storage facilities adds more risk because of the time it takes to fill them up. If you're comfortable with that, it can be a great way to enter those markets and create wealth. Converting also works well. Converting a facility may be a great way to enter into markets and locations that you previously could not have obtained. Converting a facility adds a whole new level of technicality. When we converted our first facility, we partnered with others who could help us work with the city to obtain the permitting, buy the deal, and convert it into a storage facility with over 100,000 square feet. We were we are working on multiple other conversions right now, as of this writing, that have significant upside because cities are so eager for the vacant properties to be used. There's a lot of future potential with conversions because the retail world is changing. And as the big box stores go away, there's very little use for those buildings in our economy. Self-storage tends to be a great answer because of the building because if the building has no good use as it sits, prices go down. So if you're able to acquire them cheaper than previously, as they sit vacant, cities want them occupied and are more willing to work with storage developers. Each of these methods works and can work very well. However, the first route, buying an existing facility, an existing underperforming facility, offers the greatest leverage opportunities and truly enables all aspects of my value-add strategy. This is how I was able to repeatedly buy underperforming self-storage facilities and dramatically increase both the valuation and the revenue of all of them. My benchmark return for these investments is at least 20% after stabilization. If I can't achieve this, I don't buy it. Another benefit of the first route, especially for the first-time owner, is that you can learn how to operate one with the first purchase. So operate your facility. Choosing a market you can compete in and that you can add value to is important. You need to learn the ins and outs of the business without the brutal competition of the big players. Once you understand the ins and outs, you can be an informed buyer for additional facilities, and you will know what your expense ratio is for your management methods. That allows you to make informed estimates on the revenue potential of a storage facility. You identify as underperforming. This is in essence, this is the essence of my value add model for using self storage as a wealth vehicle. If you have a large amount of capital to invest, building or converting are viable options. More on that later in this chapter. Although there are three ways to enter the self storage industry, there are multiple options and you have multiple opportunities in the marketplace. But those opportunities depend on your resources, goals, and needs. Identifying what you have and what you want to achieve is the first step towards getting started in the self-storage industry. AJ's value-add model and why it works. For the first-time investor and for anyone who wants to build an empire through purchasing and improving existing facilities, here is my tried-and-true method. Here's my tried-and-true fully verified method for creating maximum leverage opportunities in self-storage. 
Bullet point one, buy in a growing market with a similar size competition. Avoiding markets with REIT or or institutional ownership is ideal, but may not always be possible. This could be third tier or second tier, possibly fourth tier if you are confident it's growing. These are markets he's talking about third, second, fourth tier markets. Basically, what defines a good opportunity is an area with years of steady growth and diverse and a diverse employer base that's also growing. You want a place where you want a place people want to move to. Uh, so uh, Boise is a really good example. Boise, Idaho, um, it's one of the fastest growing cities in the country. A lot of people want to move there. Just verify that growth in that market is what AJ is talking about here. Next bullet point. Buy from an individual owner, preferably one who is out of state and hasn't visited the site in a long time, like years. However, there are also opportunities if they live locally or even if they are the on-site manager. What you're looking for is a hands-off owner, one that is not actively engaged in running the facility, and you can almost always tell if this is the case. Next bullet point. Look for these characteristics in your first facility purchase. Good location. This can't be fixed. Not good curb appeal. This can be fixed. Not utilizing technology like the competition, online presence, marketing, and other things to streamline operations. 100% occupancy, especially if they're charging below market rates. Lax management that cares more about being full than rocking the boat. Low rental rates in comparison to the market. So these are the, again, these are the characteristics that you want to look for. Next bullet point here, manage it yourself. This does not mean you are there every day. This means you put all systems in place and don't hire a third-party management company to do it. Next bullet point, as an alternative, hands-off management strategy, hire a top Hire a top third-party management company. You should have uh, you should have run your numbers. You should have run your numbers before making the purchase with this plan in mind, so you know your margins will still be good. So if you really do plan on having a hands-off management approach, uh, where you're having a third-party management company come in, make sure that's in your underwriting to begin with, so you're not jumping in and just assuming that you're going to have somebody run it and not really know or understand the cost and have you know implemented that into all of your underwriting. Uh, next bullet point here, hire all the personnel yourself and train them. Most of the time, you're not able to keep existing personnel because they have bad habits and are often very the very reason the storage facility is per- performing poorly. Uh, so, so much truth to that. Uh, next bullet point, audit all the vendors. Make sure you don't have any long-term contracts and get the best vendors in place. Sometimes the existing vendors are friends of the owner or the owner didn't know any better when they hired them. Next bullet point, make changes immediately. Here's a bullet points within the bullet point here. This is what you need to do change-wise. Raise rates to current to get rid of price-conscious tenants. So raise the rates to the current market rates. Bring those rates up to the competitive rate price and get rid of the price-conscious tenants. AJ is always talking about these, the three types of customers. You have price-conscious. You have customers that are only focused on price. 
customers that are only focused on quality and customers that are only focused on convenience. You want to target convenience and quality customers. You don't want price-conscious tenants in your facilities for a number of reasons. Uh, next thing to change immediately, collect on any unpaid rents. This can be huge. A lot of these underperforming facilities, again, don't have these systems in place to collect uh, unpaid rents. They have a lot of delinquencies. They're very high. Uh, they're just letting people not pay in some cases uh, because, again, they're friends with some of these people or whatever it might be. And, and by all means, be friends with people. But at, at the end of the day, you're again, you're running a business. You, you've got to pay your bills. You've got to be lucrative. Uh, you've got to be generating an income. Uh, next bullet point here, things that you need to change. Improve offerings, appearance, and showroom. Uh, this is huge. Again, that curb appeal, that thing that you can change. Uh, improve all of that stuff. This is super easy stuff to improve, not super capital intensive in a lot of cases. Uh, it's a fantastic way to bring up the value. Next thing that you need to change immediately, put marketing strategy in place. Again, a lot of these underperforming facilities actually don't even have any kind of a marketing strategy or process or goal or <laughs> or anything at all. Uh, they they come from an era that they believe that, you know, we built a storage facility and people came and we filled it up. Uh, we didn't need to market. And um, obviously, if you want to be a leader in the market, you need to be marketing. You need to be raising rates. You don't want to be 100% full because that's saying that you're, you probably have rates that are too low. Um, a lot of those indicators right there. So yeah, put a marketing strategy in place. Those are the things that you want to change immediately. Uh, and then AJ goes on in the book here to list, uh, says other important aspects to know as you consider this approach. Number one, explore seller financing for the purchase. This can be a win-win for both sides and one more way to leverage your capital. Number two, most people don't evaluate self-storage as a business, but a real estate asset. They are not evaluating the potential revenue. Number three, don't buy on pro forma data. An analysis based on criteria, certain assumptions and projections, such as cap rate. So he's saying don't buy on pro forma data, such as the cap rate. Any cap rate calculation makes assumptions about revenue and the expense ratios that will change when you take over the facility. Um, AJ just did a, a YouTube video on this recently. Uh, so he, he put it really well. He said, buy off pro forma, but don't pay for it. Um, in that video. And so that's really number three, what he's getting at here is don't use just this data alone to make these assumptions and projections. Um, this is something that you definitely don't want to do. Go to, go to YouTube and check out his video. He kind of dives into that and talks about this uh, in depth. So fantastic uh, resource for you there. Uh, number four, banks and brokers can be good resources for finding deals and especially for finding distressed properties. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that utilize strategies for single family homes out there that will speak to banks and so forth to get lists of, of, of not companies, but of properties that um, are being foreclosed on and so forth. Same thing goes with storage facilities. Why would you not apply that? There's a lot of strategies that you guys can apply to find these deals, um, and working with banks and brokers is huge. 
there's a big quote here in the book. It says, I don't let real estate agents tell me what something's worth, and I don't let banks tell me what I can afford. Uh, so throughout the book, as you're reading it, you have just these various quotes that AJ's put in here, uh, which are huge. So um, throughout this chapter, he goes on to talk about buying versus building versus converting, identifying your goals and resources. Uh, he goes on in this chapter here to identify a market and research it. That's huge, being able to really identify and hone in on your ideal market uh, with the resources that you have available, what you're wanting to accomplish. Uh, that's huge. You got to identify the right market, right facility. Uh, he goes in to talk about buying, uh, who is buying self-storage. He talks about the REITs, mid-size owners, single ownership. Um, as you guys know, if you've listened to the podcast for any time, the self-storage industry is very fragmented in, in the sense that there are a lot of single single facility owners or owners that just own a small portfolio, uh, you know, four to five facilities, something like that. Uh, there's not a lot of institutional investors or large companies owning and operating the majority of the market like multifamily and so on. Uh, manufactured home communities in, in manufactured homes is another very fragmented marketplace where you have just very small mom and pop owners that are owning and operating these these properties. And um, that's that's kind of where there's a lot of opportunity to find these deals, to find those mom and pop owners that, you know, they've been around for however long, they're an undervalued asset, running it like a real estate asset, or maybe not even that, you know, they've just been running it for so long, haven't raised rates for 20 years, and there's a lot of upside to be had in uh, facilities like that. So a uh, great opportunity there to get in the self-storage industry. Uh, he goes on in this chapter, how to look for your first purchase, be aware of speculative construction in self-storage, um, reach out to the seller, he goes into talking about talking to seller, uh, talking to uh, owners that are selling. Uh, that's another thing is is just talking to owners, getting out there. Uh, we just did a did a podcast with Zach Quick. Uh, go check that out because he kind of dives into what his process was. I believe currently he owns uh, at the time of this recording he owns seven facilities. Um, started a few years ago. He's just killing it, uh, doing a fantastic job. Phenomenal guy and. Uh, um, he kind of goes into his outreach that he does for storage owners and operators and how he keeps in contact with them. So, you know, if there's any point in time that they want to sell, they're going to be thinking of Mr. Zach Quick. So go check that episode out. A lot of really good information in there. Um, AJ goes on to talk about building. Why would you build a storage facility? Uh, case study. Actually, let me, uh, let's see. Uh, let me actually read this case study for you guys real quick. So this case study, it says, case study, building without due diligence. Here's an example. Someone built a half a mile away from us. It cost him $12 million to build. We had the top rates in the entire city, were in a very similar kind of facility to his, and had a better product. Ours included a big showroom and cost us $3 million. So cost AJ $3 million to build. It costs this other company $12 million to build. That's insane. I don't know how he's going to pay the bills. We came in 
at fractions of the cost that people are coming in at today. We've already had people call us and ask us to buy them, and we had to tell them we wouldn't buy them for that price. We bought from banks and brokers for less than what they had into it, and we'll do it again. It's, it's a hard situation, but they did it to themselves, and that's why now, in an overbuilt market, the biggest threat in self-storage is itself the self-storage industry. Um, there's another example. I mean, there's so many examples of, of building um, without due diligence that can be extremely detrimental. Um, again, you're building at massive cost. Uh, in markets where, you know, just a few years ago, somebody built a $3 million facility that's nicer, better operated, everything else uh, that has the ability to fluctuate rates at a far greater spread than you do. And you spent $12 million on a facility that's not as good with a lesser product and so on. And you find yourself in a bunch of hot water. Got to do that due diligence. Um AJ also goes through that due diligence process here in the book. So, um, yeah, he goes through a list of questions to ask before you build. So that's cool. I'm just kind of looking through the book here. Uh, some of those questions, how you will, how will you attract new customers? Will you serve new customers? Options for ingress, egress, value proposition. Um, focus on the consumer needs. I love it. Anyways, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to let you guys get off and uh, onto your adventures. I just wanted to get this recorded and out to you guys. Uh, hopefully, you have uh, an awesome – right now, it's just it's holiday season. Who knows when you guys are listening to this, but uh, it's Christmas time, and uh, hopefully, everybody's out there having a good time, getting after it, getting things done. Uh, be sure to check out SelfStorageIncome.com. Keep up with us uh, with everything we've got going on there. I know AJ has been just cranking out content like crazy on YouTube and Instagram lately and trying to get videos out, just really hammering out the content, video, podcasts, everything. We're really, really just trying to interact with you guys and get as much content out that provides value to you as, as much as possible. So uh, with that, if you guys really enjoy all the stuff that we're doing, be sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on and subscribe. Uh, show us that, give us that support. Show us that you enjoy what we're doing. Uh, obviously, AJ and I, everybody, our team, we, we do all this stuff just to get it out to you guys, just to share the wealth, get you guys started, that, uh, that rising tide it rises all ships, as they say. And uh, that's exactly what we're doing with this podcast. We love connecting with you guys. Uh, and by, by all means, jump on YouTube, leave us your comments subscribe there, shoot us an email, reach out to us. I know AJ does a phenomenal job of, of setting up phone calls and, you know, getting back to your guys' messages on Instagram and these other things. Uh, he's extremely busy, so it might take him some time, but he he does a really good job of, of really trying to get back to everybody. Um, so with that said, guys, we'll catch you next time. Stay tuned. And thanks so much, as always, for tuning in and for all your support.